Thank you. Good morning. My name is Tim Lynch, and I direct Cato's Project on Criminal Justice. And I'm pleased to be able to welcome our next guest speaker, which is Grover Norquist, uh, the president of Americans for Tax Reform. Grover is probably most well-known for organizing the Taxpayer uh, Protection Pledge, which asks candidates for office uh, to commit themselves in writing to oppose all net tax increases. And more than 1,000 elected officials at both the federal and the state level have taken this pledge. And that is why the Cook Political Report and the Hill newspaper have called Grover the most influential conservative, not just here in Washington, but in all of the United States. For the past few years, Grover has been working with the Right on Crime Initiative, making the case for criminal justice reform. This is an important project because for many years, the conservative crime program had a big government element to it. There were often calls for more criminal laws and regulations for the people and more money and power for the government. Calls for more prosecutors, more prisons, and longer sentences. The Right on Crime uh, initiative is about taking a closer look at what the government is actually doing and then studying the outcome. Uh, the basic idea has been to find policies that are cost-effective and just and uh, to move away from the policies and practices that are unjust and, and counterproductive. Uh, he's spoken here many times. We're glad to have him back. Would you please welcome Grover Norquist. Thank you. Delighted to be here. The, uh, I think it's very important that Senator Wright folks uh, focus on the criminal justice issue. I know uh, I didn't. I spent an awful lot of time focused on those things the government uh, shouldn't be doing at all and saying let's get them to do less of that and kind of ignored the list of things the government should do, punishing crime, keeping the Canadians on their side of the border, um, you know, the military strong enough to do that, um, assuming that the Pentagon was doing that all in a reasonable way, and the prisons and the uh, courts were all being run, not like the Department of Motor Vehicles, but like McDonald's or um, Uber. Uh, and perhaps we were wrong in that assessment, that we should not be surprised that when you put the government in charge of something, particularly when you hand them guns at the same time, that perhaps it's not being done for the consumer's benefit, uh, but rather for the government itself. And on the crime issue and, and the policing issue, uh, we've all seen uh, some of the uh, outrages of uh, five, six, they're not sure how many federal crimes exist, several hundred thousand uh, regulations that can be imposed on people, uh, the, and, and can send you to prison if you violate them with or without any intent, uh, and the tremendous costs that have come from prisons. But recently there's been this discussion, but what about the police? Uh, and uh, as we looked at Ferguson, the government's own write-up on what happened in Ferguson, and this happens in other states, is why are the police unpopular? Why is there this antipathy? Um, I was always told, you know, if you have a problem, go talk to the nice policeman. Uh, they've turned the police in a lot of cities into tax collectors. And um, the story of Ferguson, it's not just the Obama administration's take on this, the, the fix that was passed in state law in Missouri was to limit 
the percentage of a city or township's uh, budget that could be gotten from uh, taxation through fines uh, and going, uh, stopping people. The, the, the internal emails uh, that they have in Ferguson where the Department of Finance is sending letters to the police chief explaining how to police. Uh, to maximize revenue. They're not saying there are more crimes on this street. They're saying there's more cash to be made. Uh, once it, in 2013 alone, the court ordered 9,000 warrants. This is a city of um, 21,000 people. 9,000 warrants in 2013 to go after people who hadn't paid parking tickets or infractions. Uh, when they look at the infractions, once they've stopped your car, they're getting two, three, four, in some case, one case, 14 citations. You know, your, your back taillights out, this, this, that, and the other uh, problem. Every one of these costs money. And if you don't pay the ticket in a timely manner, they put you in jail. Now, I always thought, well, in Europe, you know, in the 1500s or something, they had debtor's prisons. We don't do that here unless you owe the money to the city, and then they do. The collection mechanisms are, they, among other things, in Missouri, but also in California, and the number I have here uh, comes from the Ferguson report, but it says that in California, four million people, that's 17% of adult Californians, four million people have their licenses suspended for failure to appear in court or to pay outstanding fines and fees, 17% of people are either not driving at all, I don't know how they're getting to work, um, or they're driving illegally uh, in California. Similar challenges in Missouri. These are state laws, not the city uh, fine laws, but the state laws to help enforce. Now, if every time you see a policeman, he's, your first thought is he's going to give me a ticket, He's going to find me. He's going to hit me with hundreds of dollars in fines. In California, they tack on these environmental fees on top of the fines because they don't look like taxes. They think if you don't call them um, taxes, you call them fees. So that these things run up into hundreds of dollars. I mean, I remember when a parking ticket was 25 bucks. Um, but now, it also slightly irritated me that, you know, your taillight's out. And how would I know that? <laughs> the only time I ever notice my tail outside is when a policeman <laughs> points this out. Um, I don't go and check, and I don't know how many uh, people do. But when you've turned the police into tax collectors, we shouldn't be surprised that they become unpopular, that you have the sort of challenges there. The law they passed in Missouri was to put a cap on how much money a city could collect of its general revenue. They put it at 20%. That tells you that a lot of places, it's higher than 20, or 20 would not have been a necessary law. Uh, looking at Ferguson itself, their general fund budget in 2010 was $11 million. 1.4 million came in tickets. Today, this last year, the budget was 13 million, three million came from tickets and fines. This is a huge percentage. The finance director wrote a letter to Chief Jackson, the finance director of the city, writing a letter to the police chief. 
Unless ticket writing ramps up significantly before the end of the year, it will be hard to significantly raise collections next year. What are your thoughts? Question mark. Given that we're looking at a substantial sales tax shortfall, it's not an insignificant issue. They said we should also be looking at different shift schedules, which will place more officers on the street. Oh, good, fighting crime. No, which in turn will increase traffic enforcement dollars per shift. So the head of their IRS is directing the police in Ferguson who, where to go, where to follow, and how to organize themselves. Um, this is not, you know, the people who object to the police in Ferguson evidently were not necessarily objecting to being arrested for breaking and entering. You've got an entire city that's been told the police are there to collect taxes from you in order to fit the budgets. The gentleman, the Republican who passed the law to try and tamp this down in Missouri. Um, and it was interesting that the, the left objected. They didn't pass any of the laws they thought were necessary. When the state looked at it, it said, here's the abuse, this massive tax collection. Of course, kind of by definition, a policeman can decide to give you a ticket or not for parking or you know, however many taillights you have out. It makes it completely arbitrary. And even if somebody wasn't trying to be arbitrary, why would anybody believe that? Since they don't stop everybody. Not every person who parks too long or swerves or something gets picked up. It, by definition, it's going to look arbitrary to the person who gets whacked. And it's going to be arbitrary because you can only be certain places. Which street corners do they decide to police and at what time? Then, in, in this all in Ferguson, uh, but unfortunately, uh, this same, the ACLU put out a press release about debtor's prisons in uh, New Orleans. They have debtor's prisons here. Why? What I went through. You go to jail if you can't pay these tickets. And of course, every time you're late or you're not there, they can add to the, another $100 to the ticket. The court in Ferguson, where you can pay your tickets or argue about them, holds three or four sessions a month three or four a month, so one a week. Each session lasts no longer than three hours. Hardworking judges here collecting your money. It's not uncommon for as many as, five, as 500 people to appear before the court in a single session and make a big line out into the street. Okay? They don't even make it easy to pay the king. Okay? You don't pay the king, you get in big trouble, but they don't make it easy. And in the past, it has actually considered 2,000 offenses during one sitting. And then why are people irritated? You know, why do we have some of these challenges between police and um, the population? You know, there's a country which started as a tax revolt. We might have kind of figured people are sensitive to this stuff, okay? Um, you know, just checking Mithridates, the revolt in uh, now Turkey, um, where they killed every single Roman tax collector on one day. Um, they got irritated about it. Um, people don't like this stuff. They don't like being treated this way. And it creates all sorts of antagonisms. Um, the finance director, again writing to Chief Jackson, recommended an immediate Im implementation of an I-270 traffic enforcement initiative in order to, quote, Stop crime, nope, nope, that's wrong, in order to, quote, begin to fill the revenue pipeline, end quote. 
the directive, the email, was attached to a computation of the net revenues that would be generated by the initiative, which required paying five officers overtime. So we can put more officers on the street. Oh, good, we're all going to be safer. No. These five officers overtime for highway traffic enforcement for a four-hour shift. The finance director stated that, quote, there is nothing to keep us from running this initiative, one, two, three, four, five, six, or even seven days a week. It's nice that they spelled that out, all seven, each one written down. Um, these are the, they had a debate about whether to move one judge, and they decided no, because, quote, switching judges could, would lead to a loss of revenue. The judge wasn't considered very good at what the judge did, but you didn't want to switch it because it could cost you revenue. These are the challenges that we have, not just in Ferguson, but throughout Missouri, as they found when they passed the state law, putting limits on how much can be picked up this way. And that doesn't even get to the issue of civil asset forfeiture. And you've all heard the horror stories of, you know, somebody's got $1,000 in a car, they take the 1000 they take the car, you can sue to get it back, it'll cost you more than the car or the 1000 to get your money back. You don't have to be convicted of anything for civil, civil, assets, civil asset forfeiture. You haven't been convicted of being a criminal and therefore that's why you have the nice house. You've just been accused. Uh, and you may never actually be convicted, but you've still got to sue to get your money back. And the federal government uh, raised about $4 billion last year through this. This is, again, not in anybody's sense fair, even-handed. I mean, we like the sales tax, we like the income tax, but you can sort of calculate it and sort of know what you owe, and you sort of have some idea that everybody who buys something at the store is paying 5% sales tax. The level of arbitrariness uh, that we have uh, with this collection leads to all sorts of problems, which makes solving real crimes more difficult because the local population, which views you as a tax collector rather than a protector, is unlikely to see you as the first person to talk to and be helpful with. Um, that said, uh, questions, thoughts, um, arguments, I think that it's very helpful that, e that even this administration um, recognized that the lesson of Ferguson is that we turned policemen into tax collectors, and this made it increasingly difficult for the police and the citizenry to work together, uh, and that this is unjust and arbitrary and capricious. Oh, you, this gentleman will call on people. Yes, we have a uh, limited amount of time, but Uh, back in the uh, uh, 19, late 1980s, um, I was working at the Vera Institute of Justice. My name is Judy Green. I'm not there anymore. Justice Strategies is my group. We ran experiments around the country, um, ran into the early 90s with um, introducing the European day fine system, which effectively um, scales, fines, fees, and other penalties to a person's income. It's a unit system, so the worse the crime is, the more units, but each unit is valued according to the amount of, you know. And I'm now getting telephone calls from journalists and ACLU folks in, in, in Georgia and, uh, and in Michigan um, because the New York Times dredged up this old effort and I'm wondering whether people in Washington are at all interested in that. It's a um, sort of a, a, 
structural reform to deal with the, uh, although from your point of view, maybe it looks like a progressive tax, which might not be. I think that that might be designed to reduce the public opposition to using police as tax collectors, but maintaining the police as tax collectors. The other challenge you have is, what if you live in a neighborhood without enough rich people coming, driving through? Um, And uh, so I would rather fix the problem, which is why I like flat taxes rather than graduate income taxes, because flat taxes, if you think you have a really good idea and you're all paying for it, you have to talk to everybody at once about it. But if only 2% or 1% are going to pay, you go, you guys might want to step out of the room. This isn't going to be pleasant over here, but it's just them. It's not you. I'd rather they not divide us into groups and mug us one at a time. Um, the, The Richard Speck theory of tax increases, that if you can't take on everybody in the room at once, you take them out of the room one at a time. Um, this is a big enough challenge that I think we need to confront it and not use this as tax collection, not take people's jobs hostage by telling them they can't pay, they can't drive their car. Because, of course, when you get stopped ha- driving to work without your license, now you've got another problem, uh, and you do have sort of go-to-jail stuff or massive new fines that you probably also can't um, pay. And even if people can pay them, that doesn't make this stuff make any sense. Um, Who's going to warn somebody you might want to get your backlight fixed if you can make money? And the gentleman, the Republican in Missouri who drove the law to limit this, didn't end it, just limited it, okay, as to how much any one city can. One set of cities was limited to 20% and one at 40%. I haven't quite gotten my head around the the 40% guys, but those must be districts that only do this for a living, Um, like the, you know, Stoplight tricks that I was told existed. Hmm? Uh, General revenue can come from these sorts of fines and penalties. Some people 20%, some people, some places 40%. I guess they were so high that asking them to go to 20 was considered too much. Uh, of, Of city revenue, yeah, of city revenue. Some of these things are little small city, you know, pieces of, um, and that they raise a lot of money that way. I was always told, don't drive through Georgia because the guy will sit there and turn the, the red light on just as you're coming through to, to make some money for the small town. Well, it's not, I'm from Boston, that's what, so I worried about Georgia. Evidently, it's not just Georgia. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of places um, that raise money along those lines of things that people do all day, that your stoplight, your, your light goes out in the back of your car. Um, uh, people. Okay, Okay. Um, I wish we could keep going uh, with this, but we have to uh, make room for the next panel that's coming up. Would you please thank our guest speaker, Grover Norquist. (laughs) 